This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For your free trial, plus 10% off anything you buy, visit squarespace.com and use the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's really early. Oh, how did your night end last night? I'm trying to think. It was so long ago. Um, I think that it just was a, it just kind of petered out mm. instead of ending with a bang. <laughs> but uh, the, because of global uh, uh, climate change, mm. The city of Seattle has been enjoying spectacular weather. I'm sorry. It's been a real trial. And normally June is the month where it rains a lot. And every the, June is the month where everybody is like, every year, um, it surprises us. This has been true for the last 20 years of me living here, and I think throughout time. Because you have a nice, you know, a couple of nice days in April and May, and you're like, hey, summer's here, and then in June, it just rains. Mm. And and everybody goes, oh, what? And we forget every year, we forget that it happens. And then when it happens, it's like this this bait and switch. We feel like we're we're being robbed. And then July, summer comes, right? That's the typical Seattle Mm -hmm. summer. Well, the last couple of years... It's just been sunny all June, like just sunny the whole time, sunny and 75 degrees, which is, which is, you know, a real ripoff. And one of the things that I guess we never realized was that when it rained, it it kept all, all the pollen and the allergenic components it kept them down in the ground. <laughs> Tamp, tamps them down a little bit. It kept them down in the ground where they belong. And now there's nothing keeping them down. The sky is just filled with bits. <laughs> and they're floating around and they're getting in my nose and they're getting in my eyes. And I wake up in the morning and it's like, it's like there's gum in my eyes, chewing gum. And Ugh. my nose is all scratchy. And so... Ugh, just like such a global warming is really a really bad. You, so you think it might be real? I mean, I don't, I'm sorry, climate change. I didn't mean to say global warming, but like you know, for instance, like I'm sure there are some people whose houses are being washed away into the ocean because they live on an atoll, and there are you know the bears are dying in the Arctic. But you know, I have really scratchy eyes. Yeah, and I feel like. If you had a parade, you probably couldn't go. I couldn't. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to be in a in a motorized chair. It'd be the John Travolta bubble. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like, uh Mr. Roderick, I, Mr. Roderick sends his regrets. As I walk around in a t-shirt and shorts and, and enjoy the, you know, life in paradise here. God. It's itchy. So undignified, too. Sneezy. I mean, and I suppose I could I could do some research and take some kind of medicine of some kind. I take uh, I take a I take a nose medicine every day, and and it's one of those things where I I, I think it helps. I, mm-hmm. I you know it's it's one of those really annoying kinds of things. It's like an old person pill where mm-hmm. you only notice that it's doing anything when you stop taking it. 
Mm-hmm. Now, how's that figure? Could you go to the? Could you go to a Costco? Could you get, as I do, a, a large bottle of uh, generic Claritin? Is that, well, is that is that is that in your uh, thought technologies? So this is another one of these problems. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I rented an office, <laughs> and that is, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a payment. I have a monthly payment now for that, and then that comes with there's a little utility payment or something that accompanies it. Where it's like, oh, I see, the rent isn't really the rent. It's the rent plus this other amount. And then I got to get internet there, and there's one company that provides the internet. You can't just can't shop around. I'm familiar you, with that. You have to pay the one people. <laughs> you have to pay them whatever they ask. And they will provide you whatever service they think it, it, is their service. It, like, you know, if you say, I want internet. I want internet that's fast and good. And they're like, well, we have this internet. We have this amount of internet that we are gonna that we are able to give you or willing to well, give. Can you. I say what you described? Because it sounds it sounds like something from like the late nineties. You go into this place and your option is pay for this wireless that we have here or don't have internet. Right. That's it. That's so all you got. Are, so you can't get like a nice uh, Ethernet connection there. No. Th- those are your options. You could not go down to to uh, the marketplace. <laughs> Thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> <laughs> Where all the people are there uh, hawking their wares. AT&T, Comcast, they're all there with little booths. Hey, little barkers. Hey, guy, come on over here. Check out our internet. There's none of that. Uh, so, But I have to have internet down there, so that's another payment. And then uh, I start thinking like, oh, well, you know, I, I've been having this trouble invoicing people. And now I'm now I've downloaded this invoicing program, and it turns out that that is a payment. You pay you pay for that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now now I'm looking at nose spray. I got to get that. I got to get that going. I got to pay for nose spray every month. That's an additional cost. <laughs> and you know, it's one of these things. When I first when I first realized that I needed to that I was not going to be able to live in the modern world without a driver's license. And this I realized this at the age of about twenty six. I was like, you know what? I've been living without a driver's license for a long time, and the the inconvenience of it is has now surpassed um, the indignity of having to get one. And I went and I got a driver's license, and then, you know, right away, like, oh, you got to get insurance, and oh, you got to start obeying the law, and all these <laughs> other you know corollary effects. And uh, you know, once they get you. Mm-hmm. You know, then they just, they they drag you back in. Well, you know, I, I know you're in kind of a raw place right now with uh, with the expenses, but, but let me put this in front of you, too, as somebody who's doing those things with an office, is also now you need a second set of everything. So oh, yeah. if you want to get the nasal chrome or you want to get the generic um, Claritin, uh-huh. you got to have you two. Get, that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 So, so you know, it's... Well, it's like when I got the iPhone 5, <laughs> all of a sudden I needed to buy five new cables because I had over the years of owning an iPhone four, I had acquired all the cabling that I needed, right? I had a car charger. I had a cable at my mom's house. I had a cable upstairs. I had a cable downstairs. I had a cable at my mom's house. And then but you buy the new phone, you wait, you wait for the, you wait for the new phone to come out and you get it. Oh, all your cables are garbage now. Yeah. I had to get all new cables. And then not everyone in my family switched over to the iPhone 5, so we got duplicated cables everywhere. Four and five cable. 
how do I trust that Apple isn't going to come up with a brand new cable with the six? Mm. How do how do I how, you know, like you you're telling me I should trust that you're t- you're saying no they wouldn't do that, but how do I know now? Yeah, you know what I mean? Burn me once, shame on shame me. on you. Burn me twice. Is that the shame on me one, or is it is, is it the third time that it's a shame on me? Uh, fool me once, can't fool me. Right. Right. That's right. You're That's doing right. all that with gum in your eyes. That's miserable. Tell you what. Yeah. Tell you what. So anyway, I just I feel like I might as well just start up an auto pay at my bank, and everybody I shake hands with it just starts paying them something. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. oh hi, nice to meet you. Oh now you're now you're connected via some app, right? Some <laughs> uh, some Tinder app, where it's what? like oh hi what. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Now we're now we both. Uh, oh, it turns out we both like Foghat. All right, well here's twenty bucks. <laughs> You're like Robert De Niro and Goodfellas. He's walking just, around getting, giving everybody twenties. Just goes in, starts going into your account. I'm never going to see you again. But, yeah. You know that's what that's what's going to happen. You're going to get you're going to get these apps. You know. You're just it's, a, it's just a plague of apps. Well, well, we decided that. Uh, you know, we, uh, well, long story short, that basically my daughter needed to have a room at some point because she was a kid. And, oh. and plus I was, you know, pretty sprawled out in the second bedroom. And so I should get an office. The only point is that like at the time it seemed like kind of a big deal, but not a huge deal. Like, Oh, I'll have this office where I will go and mm. I will do office things. <laughs> and it seems so simple. And, and my, uh, my daughter got a room. And now like I, I hate how much I kind of can't imagine going back. I would love to not have the expense of this, but it would be it would be chaos if you can't I go to, back to a pre office economy. Well, I mean, you know, part of it is the the bad on me part is like now the sprawl is on the office, and I just I dread the idea of having to consolidate all of this. I could right. probably just walk away. I could grab the laptop and literally walk away. <laughs> just set keep, it on fire. Keep keep the nasal crumb. <laughs> uh, get the paddleball game and yeah. the chair. Do you think you'll keep the office? I mean, it, it sounds like it's still kind of a a, a weird fit for you. Well, it's a, it's a lot of hassle. Are you, how, are you, are you, if, if I could say, are, are you, how committed are you? Do you, you got like a lease and stuff? Ah, uh, no. I mean, it's you know, it's Seattle, right? You could yeah. uh, anyway. The the most stringent lease in the city. I feel like you could walk in to the to the manager's office one day and just be like, "Yeah, you know, I just um," and the manager would be like, "Oh, yeah, okay." Like, no, it's not. Who's gonna? Somebody gonna sue me? Yeah. No, it's not that I feel bound. I I like having it. I'm just I'm not using it yet because you know the the big big problem. Uh, my whole life I've done this. It's like oh well, if I dangle a carrot, if I put a, if if you know if 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 on Monday I put a carrot on a string and I put it out, uh. I, and I attach it to a fishing pole, and I attach the fishing pole to a hat, and I put the hat on every morning when I wake up, then I will start working. And if I do that on Monday, by Wednesday, I maybe I'll have forgotten that I did that. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be this carrot that I don't know where it came from, and I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll put on my hat that I always put on. You know, I've never put on a hat in my life, but this is the idea, right? I'm going to put on this hat. This new, the, all I have to do is put on the hat, and then the carrot will be there, and then I'll go and I'll chase the carrot, and I'll forget that this is all plan that I'm 
trying to like sneak in on myself. I, I know it's early, but l- let me try and understand this. You're <laughs> saying you need a way to habituate yourself to doing a work thing over a period of time. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, but that's been true. That's been true since I was in fifth grade. Yeah. And so, so, you know, when I was in the, when I was making record albums a lot, which I never actually was making them a lot, but the, the times that I did make record albums, the, the fact that there was a, a lot of expense involved and you had to get a bunch of people all pulling together um, actually did have the effect of getting me at least to finish those things that I did finish. Mm-hmm. But so this office is just another one of these strategies of like, well, if I get an office and I buy a new computer and I put the new computer in the office and I am paying for internet at the office, then necessarily I will wake up every morning at nine, have a healthy breakfast, Mm -hmm. read the newspaper, and by nine... Put on your carrot hat. (laughs) Put on the carrot hat. And by 9.30, I will be, you know, I will be... Merging into traffic. You commute. My, you commute, my, commute to your office. On my way to the office, and then I will get there, and I'll you know hang up my hat on the hat rack, and I'll say, <laughs> "Change the carrot." Good morning, Marge. And then I'll sit down at my computer, and I will write uh, the the work that I really, truly do want to write, and that I, I feel like I desperately need to write, but obviously don't need to write strongly enough that I just wake up and, and, and write it without all the, with all, without all this like baloney in the middle. And it's astonishing how easy it is to wake up in the morning, not put on the carrot hat <laughs> and, um, you know, and spend like three hours looking at my phone and then decide that it's been a long time since I've had fried chicken <laughs> So I better get. To, I'd better take care of that before the day gets too much older. This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by our very good friends at Squarespace. You know Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. They make the whole process so simple. They have an easy drag-and-drop interface and beautiful free templates you can tweak to suit your needs. All the Squarespace 6 designs are responsive, which means they look great on every device. Squarespace also offers free 24 by 7 support through live chat and email with dedicated teams in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. John and I have used Squarespace to host Roderick on the line for three years now. They have been great to work with. We would love it if you would give them a try, too. Remember, Squarespace plans start at only $8 per month. $8 a month! That includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Please remember, tell Squarespace you heard about it from your pals at Roderick on the line. Listeners of this program get a free trial plus 10% off any package they choose by using the special offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line. We could not do it without them. And then, you know, another day goes by. So, in answer to your question, I love The Office. I do not yet resent it. Like, it hasn't become a thing that, oh, I'm paying money and I just don't know. I don't even want to go down there because it makes me feel so bad about the waste. Which is, you know, I can remember a gym membership I bought in the mid-90s. Where I went down, I bought the gym membership, I I decided I was going to get a year instead of a month to month, Mm -hmm. because that was the only way I was going to, it was that year membership was going to motivate me. I got my picture taken, 
I got an ID card with a photo on it. I put it in my wallet, and I never went back to the gym, not a single time. Really? I did not, I did not even go in to use the bathroom when I was walking by. Like, the, the, I, I started changing my route so that I wouldn't go by the gym and be forced to remember it. That's a terrible feeling. But I never took the card out of my wallet because what if tomorrow is the what if tomorrow is the day? Yeah, and so it's a terrible feeling, and I've done it to myself a thousand times. Now the office has not turned into that. The office still is a place of hope, mm. for me. and I still believe because I have all these things. I have all these wonderful projects that feel like they're. I'm t- I'm so tantalizingly close to to embarking on these little projects. I bought some I bought the expensive voice recognition software. Oh. Yeah. And I'm going to try you, and, Did you train it yet? I haven't trained it. <laughs> I want to hear about how that goes. I'm going to train the software and then I'm going to have then I'm going to play the tapes into the software. And if I play the tapes into the software and it produces even a 75% accurate document I feel like that will that will be work I'll be excited to do. Comb through the transcripts, fix yeah. it up, uh, clarify the ideas, begin work on a you know on a big project, a big writing project. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the dictation software could also produce Jabberwocky. Yeah, I don't want to spoil this for you. <laughs> Um, that's that, you know, cause I'm the same way. I feel like if I were to get transcripts of all the bullshit I've said over the last three to five years, I'd have three books that yes. just need to be edited for shizzle and editing is fun. Yeah, it can be editing. I, my, my problem was, I mean, God, I, uh, gosh, I, you know what? I shouldn't even say anything, but you know, <laughs> you know what say it is? It. Well, you know, like for me, I, I, <laughs> I went and <laughs> I went and bought the voice software uh, when when I was in a similar place to uh, what I perceive you to be in right now, which is like there's a big writing thing I need to do, yes. and my problem is that that I know I, I know all this stuff and I can feel that thing just out of reach that's that's almost this thing, and what if I just you know in my case alternated like yeah some cases I'll, I'll sit down and type. You know, make outlines, I'll do things, I'll write, I'll, but like, it would be pretty great if I could just walk around in my private office and have the, 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 the dingus take it all down. Hmm? My problem was like, you know, uh, well, you can guess what the ending was, which was that like, it, it didn't help. Uh, partly because I think I never got it trained to quite right and I never could forget the fact that I was talking into voice recognition software. I think that's mm-hmm. the key turning point. You right. say 70%. If I had 95% correct, it would still drive me bananas. Yeah. You know, but you know, but it, it could work. But, you know, my problem also, and I don't know if this helps or, or harms, but if, when I look back at like having gotten an office in 2008, that's a, a very, that's an interesting point. I think it was something like maybe the summer of 2008, something like that. This is a different office than your current office. No, same office. You got that office in 2008? Yeah. You've had it that whole time? I had yeah. no idea. It's expensive. Huh. I, but, but what, you know, what a funny, what a funny thing happened. I mean, you know, it's, it's ironic that like a lot of the reason I got it, it's super ironic that I got it cause I need to record podcasts. And so therefore now I have a streetcar going by outside that everyone can hear. <laughs> I should have really thought that through, but you know, apart from the having to record things like, you know, 
what a total of maybe one hour of music during that entire time to recorded music, but you know, hours and hours and hours of podcasts. The funny part is, is that like within probably a few months even, or at least no more than a year after that, like everything got so much easier to do mm. with stuff like my iPhone. And I didn't really, I mean, I needed a place to put my giant computer and my giant screens and my giant connections and my giant router and all that stuff. But the truth is, I, you know, if I have something to say, I, if I really have something to say and I'm motivated to say it, I can type that on the iPhone. No problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what kicks me in the ass is that, like, I have all this expense and all this trouble and all this hassle and all this garbage in my office when like, honestly, to, to be a writer, like, you know, it isn't like I have 10 books and things that need to be edited, edited, and I need to do, uh, you know, uh, the Magna Carta in translation or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that I have all this infrastructure at a time when I could be writing anywhere, but I'm not. Yeah. yeah. That's not the office's fault. Well, it's it's not, but it is. It is kind of. I mean, it is the. It's the myth of. It, it it's the myth of, uh, of productivity and of user friendliness. I'm listening. You know? It is, <clears throat> like, Apple, in particular, <laughs> above all other companies, has profited from the idea that we are all artists. And all we lacked was the tools. And, I mean, that <clears throat> premise was sort of at the foundation of 70s, uh, educate, 70s childhood education. That <clears throat> all we needed to do was free these people's little minds and get them out of this 1950s model of education. And let them play and let them have finger paints and we're going to discover this generation of artists and that and that that even if we even if that were true and that we've discovered a generation of artists the the further leap was that that's what we want that we actually want a generation of artists um nobody really thought that all well, the way through can you imagine what that would be like a fucking re- if everybody really was an artist oh my god mm. what a fucking nightmare world we would live in but that was the premise uh that my mother used to raise me. Like I'm going to let him explore his creativity. I'm going to let him, you know, discover the artist within. But, but if you recall back to when we were in school, it was incompletely, pardon me. I have a, I have some glue in my throat. You know, it was incompletely applied. And there were certainly students in the schools that were not being encouraged to finger paint. In general, it was much more finger painty. The um, <clears throat> the philosophy of education, and Apple has consistently done a marvelous job of convincing us that we are all filmmakers, we are all graphic artists, we are all podcasters, we are all writers, and. All we needed all along was just the box of tools. And once we had those things, the box of tools would set us free. And we would be making the beautiful things we wanted. It was so easy to mate up the the record that we just made with the film that we're working on. And once that thing was done, you know, we would be completely validated and we would be helping people. And so we've all been buying these boxes of tools 
from them, these toy boxes, really, uh, now for a couple of decades. And we, each of us, have sitting on our desk the ability to make a, make a complete film with animation and all the music and, you know, like... Well, importantly, that, that you can shoot it and edit it. On your, shoot it on your phone. <laughs> right. Shoot it, edit it, <clears throat> compose the music. You don't have to even play an instrument because mm-hmm. all the musical parts are in there. You just have to cut and paste them and make a new symphony. And, you know, the, the I mean, I, you can't resent them for it because it's a beautiful idea and it's a beautiful, and they have actually made very elegant software that enables us to do it. Um, but, but once again, the number of people that are actually making films, it, it, like it more or less has remained constant. Um, but what we all have now is like these giant, ex- super expensive guilt boxes that sit on our tabletops and say, look how elegant I am. And you could be making a film on me right now if you were just slightly more of a person. You could be making, you could be, you could be right, you could already be writing the book about the making of the film. Right. Um, but you're not, and it's not that you don't have the tools. You have the tools. It is something else, some other flaw in you. And I already had that voice in me. I didn't need a elegant white box to amplify it. <laughs> Every morning when I woke up and walked past my elegant box of tools that is basically just has a Welsh troll voice now. My Siri, my Siri just speaks to me in Welsh. <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, and, uh, but that has always been the case because before Apple came along, I mean, I am, I am a middle-class person who was given the opportunity over and over again, the art lessons or nobody, nobody insisted that I major in engineering at college. Like I was invited to major in literature or whatever struck my fancy, you know, and, um, and so the burden of why I have not made um, as much beautiful stuff as I as I feel I should have, the burden of that is all on me. I the, I cannot point to any um, to any obstacle, any real obstacle that is outside myself. And I you know, and I wonder whether that is part of this conversation that we've been having for uh, for months and years about about this generation that's on our heels that is like so that is so excited about all the obstacles that they perceive in the culture you know hmm. the, the the reason they haven't succeeded is because of of um reasons well right all the <laughs> institutional uh institutional problems that Maybe you, you maybe you look at them and you see them as being a privileged middle class person, but that's not how they see themselves because you're not perceiving the all the all the cultural walls that prevent them from using their little white boxes to make you know and, and in particular all the ones that don't have the little white box that have to use a Dell, which also has all the same software, or maybe doesn't even have a Dell. Maybe has to go to the computer science center at the library to use their incredible little white boxes that are available free to anyone. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, one, I got a lot of thoughts on this, but I mean, I'll keep it short. The, one thing is that we really are still in the infancy of a lot of this stuff. The problem that you're describing is, is not new, but what is new is that, I mean, in the course of, I won't even say 20 years, really, you know, in the course of really kind of five years, but especially of, of 10 years, we've gone from so many things that were out of touch, uh, or out of reach rather. So, I mean, so many things where, as we've talked about ad nauseum, I mean, a time when the idea of being able to, to write, perform, produce, and publish and sell your own music, each required a different special set of stuff that was costly. Maybe not the writing. You could hum along and play the, the ukulele, but, you know, recording your music meant going to a studio. Uh, it certainly meant, <clears throat> you know, um, buying and mastering an instrument. Um, getting that pr- pressed and mastered cost money, uh, getting that distributed to Sam Goody, all, all, all of those steps, you know, it, it's, it seems so far away. And it's partly what made rock stars seem like rock stars is that all that stuff required the benediction of so many people and, or, you know, or a fat wallet. I mean, you know, you remember like seeing ads in the back of Rolling Stone for being able to publish your own book and the idea that you know, we used to call it uh, you know, vanity press, right? So you could right. go out and publish your memoirs and say, I have a published book that I happen to have bought all 1000 copies of. <laughs> so, I mean, that's always been something that's available to people, but it's, I think we're, I mean, I don't know. I, it's so different from person to person, but I think we're all still catching up with that in some ways. It's just that right now, I, I think it is, I don't know how much it says about like our, our artistic. This is nothing overarching about our artistic future, but you know, it's just it is very easy and fun to take a photograph, add some filters to it, and put it somewhere, you know, and then collect your stars. It's, that 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 is really fun, and there's a, it's it's addictive, and it's it's a big community kind of thing. And if you, well, I'm trying to pivot to a bigger point here, but in that case, like I'm guilty as anybody of like saying, oh gosh, I said a funny thing. I hope people like it. I put up a pretty picture. I hope people star it. And that is what could be more distracting or more procrastination making, or this is even setting aside the entire anger industry of all the things that we're (laughs) supposed to be, you know, passionate about. But, but in all, in those cases, I mean, everybody knows what they've got on their phone. Everybody opens up GarageBand at least once and and plays with it. Um, you know, people have probably edited, you know, videos of their baby when they're very motivated about Mm. that topic and send it to the family, but it isn't something you keep going with. And the pivot is that this really awful and and annoying, and in my experience, uh, absolutely true fact, which is that, uh, to paraphrase, I think it was Will Durant, you know, we are what we do, what we frequently do. Whatever it is that you do a lot is what you do. And, you know, you talked uh, in a previous episode about manifesting, about the idea of sort of announcing that you're now a professional photographer or the one that always gets me is people announcing that they're an SEO expert or a thought leader. And, you know, it doesn't cost anything to do that. And, you know, other people who are aspiring may now look up to you because of that, but it's not the same thing as showing up and doing that work every day. So, I mean, what's an SEO, uh, SEO again, it's search engine optimization and it's this huge industry. um, It's a Google yeah, it's it's the the basic idea is in its to put it in the least you know value laden way. It's a way of making sure that the content on your website is being uh, 
gobbled up properly by Google, but then right. as that gets darker and blacker hat, it, it, it's a way of trying to game the system so that you show up at the top for Viagra or whatever. Right. But anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, all, all I'm saying is like, um, this is, I don't mean this as advice, except in as much as it is advice that I need to hear, which is that like, you know, well, it really, it's just a matter of if you write, you get up every day and you write. Well, sure. Re- regardless of where you are. And that's what I struggle with because I know it really is that simple. That's sure, the, that's, that's the that, part that, that having this expense of you know, having a, I could get up at, I could get up at five, an hour before my daughter wakes up and have an hour to write. If I wrote 15 minutes a day, every day, I'd have so much more written than oh, I know. all the time that I've sat around thinking what I really need is to go on some kind of a retreat so that I can finally <laughs> write the thing I need to write. That's, and now uh, I've got an office where I can do that and feel bad about that too. That's the advice of Bird by Bird by Annie Lamont. Yeah. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty great book. Yeah. It's a nice little book. Can I also recommend the, the artist within? <laughs> yeah, the artist's way. <laughs> artist's yeah. way. That's it. You can, uh, you can do yeah. morning pages. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 I mean, I, I I don't mean to describe all this stuff as as though it were an actual additional obstacle, as much as to say it is another in a long line of non-actual obstacles, mm-hmm. but that are but that are authentically obstacles you know in the in in the sense that in 1964 uh if you wanted to design a new car if you worked for general motors and you wanted to design a new car you drew it on a big pad and then you went out and you constructed you constructed that drawing in three dimensions using clay and wood and you shaped it with a you know with a exacto knife until it looked like the GTO in your imagination. And, you know, the process that it took to get that drawing into production and to make a new car was incredibly labor intensive. And yet at some point, it happened every year. You know, they redesigned those cars every year. The difference between the 56 and the 57 Chevy and the 58 Chevy, I mean, they don't look alike at all. They were redesigning those cars using clay models, and everybody signed off on it and put those cars into production and were, you know... Um, and And across town, there were people that were making missile trajectories. They were calculating missile trajectories using slide rules and you know they did not have we we now have the technology to calculate missile trajectories on our phone if we wanted to and we now have the capability using auto drafting programs to just we could design a new car every day and make a 3d model of it on a printer in our in our living rooms but if you look at the design of cars now or the design of buildings, or the de- really the design of anything. I don't think I don't think it's just a matter of taste. I think it is objectively worse and worse all the time. Right? The the mm-hmm. easier and easier it gets to make things. You think that's related? Well, <clears throat> I can't I can't feel like it's not in the sense that in the sense that. It, what used to be special knowledge that was um, that was prized knowledge is now diffuse knowledge. If you call yourself a car designer and you design a bunch of cars, like if 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 General Motors 
if General Motors, I, I cannot imagine what is happening in the car design salons at General Motors. But I have to imagine that what where there once was a room and some people with their in their shirt sleeves uh, and horn rimmed glasses, like walking around drafting tables. And at a certain point, the design had to come out of somebody. And then, if uh, if the committee or other people wanted modifications made, you know, they they each time knew it was kind of like recording on tape, right? You knew what the limitations were before you made a suggestion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we just recorded that track live. The bass player made a little futz. The bass <laughs> player screwed up a little bit. Is it worth it for us to go back and record that entire thing and 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 shoot for the moon, <laughs> knowing that we're going to either be burning tape that's expensive or that we're that we might lose this take and the, like the limitations of number of tracks and stuff like that and all that stuff and so. So before anyone made a suggestion, everybody had it in their mind that like, oh, if I want to change some minor thing about the taillight of this design, this talented draftsperson and the designer, they're going to have to go back and redo this whole thing. And it's going to take them a lot longer and it's going to, and it's expensive to do. It's not a question of just moving the mouse and the thing, you know, like, oh, let's try that. Let's make, let's take a look and see if, what if the taillights were oval shaped? What if the taillights were shaped like a bat? You know, <laughs> it was, <clears throat> and so what ended up happening was the design more or less came out of one person's imagination. Maybe you made some suggestions, but, but for the most part, like the, the, the work in getting it to, to the place where everybody could even see it was was the lion's share of the work. And I can, I can only picture now, just as in the recording studio, the ease of putting on a thousand tracks, the ease of manipulating the waveform of the bass line. Where you're like, like, like being ah. able to grab, like drag across the screen and grab 10 or 15 points on a vector, 3D vector drawing and drag them to completely change the shape of the car. Yeah, right. Or, and so anybody walking through that salon who has the clearance who is who has made it to the level of of uh, manager can waltz by presumably and say what if the whole car was two inches shorter and two inches taller and everybody knows that there's no cost to making that suggestion so even though the designer is sitting at the computer going oh my god please fuck off he he kind of has to look and answer to the guy and be like, okay, sure, let's try it. And so he makes it two inches taller and he makes it two inches shorter. And the guy goes, I like that better. And the designer <laughs> goes, oh, fuck. It's worse. We but- used to call that uh, over-the-shoulder time. <laughs> if you ever if you ever go to like the print bureau that we used to go to in Tallahassee, had they had a rate, they had a rush rate. And they had an over-the-shoulder time rate, which is if, <laughs> if the person with the print job stood over you while you were doing stuff with it on the computer, you had to pay a lot more. I bet. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but that's that's got to be happening everywhere. And and so as I drive around the city, you know, I can pin I can point to a building and tell you whether that building whether that building was designed you know, sort of pre or post AutoCAD, right? Or you can point, you can point to the, you can point to the, the architecture or the development of neighborhoods or things, and at a point at which it was no longer expensive to design things, really, 
the quality of the design just like drops hmm. and and so because all of a sudden now you're like well the design is just a thing that we just can do and so now it's a question of how much does the how much does it cost how much are the materials going to be to and so there's a designer there who's like and I then I put dragons all across the top of the building and every window is is quadruple pane purple glass and there's somebody that's like well no that's too expensive can you figure out a way to do it without those things and the guy's like delete 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 yeah here's right. the here's the version of it without anything yeah that looks good to me does that look good to you yeah okay good let's go and it's true across the board i mean if you think about contemporary car design the way that they they do things now is they they make a platform and then that platform runs for 15 years and every every year they just change they slightly change the taillights and the you know they make a little modification here a little modification there well, so, and one way one way they that those places I assume are similar to Apple or any electronics maker is that I don't say they start with the components, but I mean one reason you may or may not see a revision is they have to offset the cost of what they're losing in scale. So, mm-hmm. like for example, they could put out the five Apple could put out the five C because it was using the same processor as the iPhone what four S or mm-hmm. iPhone. You know, anyway, the point is they had gotten a break. Because they were buying in such volume, it's very costly to to start all over with stuff that you're going to try and make at scale. You know what yeah. I mean? But so for my part, like the projects that I have in mind right now are that I should finish my album. I should also finish an album of songs that are different than the songs that I'm making currently. Like an album of songs that do not sound like the Long Winters, but That's are your shoegazy. My shoegaze record, right? I should finish my book about my walk across Europe. Please. I should. <laughs> my wife asks about that every few weeks. <laughs> I should. You, you, anybody who you've let read part of that book is like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> this is such a good book. I'm, I'm sympathetic, but still. Yeah. I should finish, or I should then write my book. I should write my theory of feminism, mm. which is, you know, going to be a pretty thick book, but. It's going to change the way we look at the world. I should write my book on economics. Again, massive tome. <laughs> um, <laughs> and You're going to write a book on economics? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Those a, are hot right now. I have a really good book on economics that's going to blow people's minds. But, you know, it, it's, it's hard work. It requires, it requires research. Wikipedia. I would need, I would need <laughs> at least three minions. Where I could sit and be like, what is the, let figure out how much trees are worth. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and then also I have, I have essentially, if I collected all of my Seattle Weekly columns, all the columns I've written in the last couple of years, there is the thread of a kind of rock and roll autobiography slash you know, book of cultural musings. I mean, the, 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 the page count is already there. It just requires like the connective tissue. Mm, I used to think that. Yeah, I know. Right. Mm. And, uh, and so all of these things are like, Oh yeah, I sh-, you know, it isn't a question of pick one and go. It is because, because if I pick one, I work on it for a little while and then I'm like, Oh, but that other thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, 
I, you know, I have to imagine that the, that, that writers have been doing this for centuries, right? And the, the unpublished works of all my heroes are all these like half thought out scribbles and outlines of the books that they should be writing and so forth and so on. But, you know, in addition to all of that work, you know, I have to maintain my Twitter. Mm. And I still haven't graduated from college. And other people's Twitter. And I have to maintain other people's Twitter. <laughs> you got to, you know, well, right, you got to go and make, make corrections. Yeah. Errata. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, obviously, like, I don't believe that the technology is, a, is, a, uh, is any kind of new inhibition because it's just it has just given shape and a different shape and form to very old inhibitions or very old roadblocks in between as you say the real process of just what waking up in the morning and writing um which is which couldn't be simpler and yet it's not e- easy it's simple but it's not easy right and yet each new tool i mean i remember i remember wordstar and sitting and working in WordStar and having to having to remember the commands for all the very simple little edits that you wanted to make and you know and feeling like this is better than a typewriter because with a typewriter you can't go back and change a whole paragraph but but the the fact of a typewriter is that once you write the paragraph, it at least as written, you can go back and, and cross it out with a red pen. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's there. And maybe, maybe two months later you come back and you're like, why did I cross that out? That was actually the, the germ of a great idea. And in word processing software, you know, you, I, I will all the time delete a page of stuff that is just sort of deleted, right? I mean, I guess I could go back to an earlier draft, but never do. Right. And a lot of times you delete as you're writing, and it's just like, nope, 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 nope. And what you end up with is what you end up with. And a lot of times it feels like it's what you settle on rather than what you, rather than it being crafted, particularly crafted, you know? I have um I've recently gotten to be friends with this guy. It's going to be virtually impossible to to redact his name cuz anybody can guess who this guy is, but he's um he's a, a, a I you know I use this word parsimoniously. I think he's very inspiring. Tom Hanks. Uh, yep. Yep, he's a good man. <laughs> no, it's this guy who does a he does a web comic that he puts mm-hmm. up every day and he's he, it's pretty popular. It's mm-hmm. pretty super popular mm-hmm. and it's uh so he sits there in Photoshop and he makes this web comic and he puts it up you know, every night by midnight. And that's just the thing that he does every day. It's brilliant. But uh, there's so much about what he does that uh, when I say inspiring, it's like, I want to steal his ideas for what mm. he does. It's not that in that sense, it's not so different from blogging in some ways, but he has a, you know, a, a pretty rabid following for his comic, but like, he just strikes me as such a smart guy because that's, if you ask what he does, you say, Oh, he does this comic you've heard of called this. And he does that and he puts it up every night. But like, he he really he interests me because first of all he does that every day which is you know harder than it sounds having something you got to do if you haven't seen it there's a there's a pretty good um 
documentary, recent documentary called Stripped that's all about comic strips and making mm. them. Um, and it, lots of great interviews and watching people draw, but it's kind of like drudgery. It's real drudgery to have to, you know, turn in weeks of Kathy or whatever. Like there's a lot of work to it. But any, anyhow, but what, so that's interesting to me that he manages to pull that off every day. But other things that appeal, like, you know, he's, for lack of a better word, leverage that into these other things. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's just constantly making webcomics. And he's making it with these characters you're familiar with. So like today, he put up a post on Medium. He has a, a, a column, quote unquote, in Macworld every week where one of his you know cartoons is featured in Macworld. And, but you know it all started with this thing where he just had a thing he put on the web. And now that's turned into all these places. Now here's the twist, is that he's a very frustrating character to a lot of people because he... I don't think he has any advertising on his site. If he does, it's just for his stuff. Because what he's done is also built this platform of like selling so many like t-shirts and coffee cups and ice scrapers and stuff that it's really, really fun stuff that people love to get. And I think people, that makes people love him even more that he's like, here, you like the comic? Don't worry about the ads. Like buy the ice scraper. It's a really cool ice scraper. Mm. And that's, and that's his thing now is like he's just constantly making comics, constantly putting them out. But then his whole like revenue thing is about making things and selling them. And I, I, there's something really appealing about that to me. First of all, I love the idea of making a thing that you sell to people, like whether that's an app or whatever it is. There's something I have to admit is a little appealing to me about a physical good, even though, God, the overhead of that is just crazy. But I I don't know. I find something like that so inspiring where like, to me, that's, that's a success story Mm -hmm. of what the tools let us do in so many ways and and how the changing platform hasn't left him behind because Mm -hmm. while everybody's running around scrambling, trying to get more and more, I mean, do you ever look at, I don't know, I, I read a lot on my, iPhone and my iPad. I read a lot of news stories. I'll follow a link somewhere. And, you know, you used to joke about, you used to give me a hard time about, you know, websites where the content is the size of a can of tuna and then it's just surrounded by ads. That's how I feel now. I can't even scroll down the page because there's just so many ads on the page. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, of course, they could, they could give a flying fig about any of those advertisers. They, they mm-hmm. treat them all equally poorly. But there's something, I don't know, I, I find that really appealing. It's somebody who's been able to, and he's certainly not alone in that, but the idea of like making a little thing every day, putting it out and being able to do that on your own, not being beholden to any given one source of uh, income for what you do. I I find that really inspiring. And I think it's a good example though. Not everybody can do it, but not everybody's trying to do it. Hmm. That's something where like he's found a way using those tools, the changes in the platform, the changes in the environment around what's possible. I mean, that would not have been conceivable to do uh, conceivable, you couldn't have made money off it. You couldn't have made those kinds of goods that quickly and sold them 10 or 15 years ago. That's all gotten so much easier. We've talked about doing t-shirts, on-demand t-shirts, which we should totally do, by the way. Hmm. But I don't know. I, I like looking at examples where that did turn out well. And he's constantly stressed out because – not stressed out, but I mean it's a lot of pressure to have to do that every day. Yeah. I don't have the pressure that I feel is that I'm not making stuff. His pressure is that he has a thing that he makes every day and, and people love it. And I, I don't know. There's something I find really appealing about that. I, I'm not about to say that these tools don't make us procrastinate more because they, they certainly can and they can guilt us. But I think it's neat to look at people who are finding a way to like f- have a creative voice and a way to make dough uh, in a way that would have been inconceivable a few years ago. And I feel like that's going to change, has to change even more and more quickly, like in the next five years. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do, but, but I feel like, um, and, 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 and I admire your friend too. And, and, um, and aspire to that kind of productivity. Aren't you a little envious? Aren't you a little envious though? Yeah. But, and and there, and there are, there are innumerable examples in among our friends, uh, where it's like, oh, I aspire to, 
to have a workflow like that person and to make good stuff like that person does. But, but I do feel like this, but, but I feel like f- zooming out from an economic perspective or from a, from a larger cultural perspective. And you are writing like, a book on economics. That's right. That really what that is, is returning to an almost medieval economy where each person is sort of, uh, Carving little mm. apple heads, uh, carving you know, carving little shrunken apple heads and selling them at the at the fair, uh, where each we each have a little booth where we are producing our small little product, arrowheads, uh, matchbooks, souvenir spoons, souvenir spoons, and we're going out to to the uh, to the Ren Fair and each of us kind of you know. Trying, even successfully making a living with our little wares, and it's it's very different from from a, a, a system whereby we are. I mean, that for instance, that is not how you would build an interstate highway system, nor is it how you would uh, build a skyscraper or even work a farm. You know, it is it's it's very siloed. It's very much. Um, not thinking of not thinking of the system as a thing that we are actively changing but it's just like okay this is the system and here how do i find a way within it to make you know to make my booth unique enough that people come here and buy you know because ultimately like ultimately t-shirt sales like we all have all the t-shirts we need and so any new t-shirt is just a t-shirt uh it, it, any new t-shirt is an excess is an excessive t-shirt right i mean like if we if every one of us is making a living selling t-shirts there is at a certain point we're going to run out of clean water well i wasn't implying everyone should do it <clears throat> well right but i mean but that but this is the this is the thing about this is the thing we've all experienced in bands for the last 10 years which is like are we really in t-shirt sales is that what we are that was the suggestion 10 years ago or well, would or, you rather be in ad sales well, no, you wouldn't, but you'd rather be in music sales where you are, you know, where you're selling your music. And people told us in 2005 that that wasn't what, that we couldn't expect that anymore um, because music should be free. And if you, if you were really good, people would buy your t-shirt and that that's what you should, you know, that that's where you should go. And, 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 and all power to the, all power to the music is free people. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's not, a, it's, uh, that's not directed at any one person and it isn't directed at, at you and me trying to sell Roderick on the line t-shirts. Cause I would be thrilled to do it. No, they sell themselves. I wouldn't worry they, about that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Roderick on the line t-shirts, there's already bootleg Roderick on the line t-shirts. And I want to discourage anyone that's listening to this show from ever bootlegging because we're, our team of lawyers is going to come after you like fucking barracudas. You're coming down on the tapers. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Home t-shirt making is killing podcasts. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but from the perspective of like, well, what are we doing as humans? Where are we headed? What is, the, what is, like, what is uh, our plan? I don't feel like the atomization of, of making is necessarily... A step forward, it, uh, and maybe it is. That's the thing. Maybe, maybe ten years from now, we will look back and be like, "Oh, it was only through the atomization of making, and uh, that that the and the democratization of 
of manufacturing, I guess, that we were able to arrive at this next place, which was actually an advancement of uh, of thinking, you know, like a, a brand new way of imagining us uh, as humans uh, building something new. Mm-hmm. But at least for now, right now, it just feels like, okay, everybody's got a garage sale now. Like we have gone, we have lost our industrial base. We have lost a, a degree of collective cooperative making of things. And now we just have 1 million garage sales and, and we are being incur- and, and the, and Apple or the, the internet or our internet uh, overlords are encouraging us to every one of us have an Etsy store, but that that isn't like really progress. Mm-hmm. Um, we're back to selling our knitting, which was a thing that we've been doing for a long, long time. And the, the fact that it's a, that, that we have a website to do it isn't, doesn't change the fact that it's, that it's just knitting. So, I yeah, don't. I mean, I you know, but, but I wonder if part of the thing, like whether that's with GMs or GM or highways or whatever, it's just that there's not the money at an institutional level that there used to be for those kinds of things. But I mean, there's so much money now, more than ever before, all over. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about like, oh, I want to publish a book, right? I, I definitely do not want to die. In, <laughs> you don't from, want to die unpublished. I don't want to die from this life without having published at least one book. And hopefully more than one. But looking at my shelf of books that I'm, you know, that I'm sitting here like lovingly, uh, like pawing with my eyes. If I were to publish a book now, um, it 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 wouldn't be like those books, right? I I think I think just as just as started happening in music where people were like, well, are you actually going to make a CD or are you just going to put it up online? It's like, when that became a question, when that became a valid question, not, not a question that you would just ask a band that thought they were going to sell 500 CDs, but a band that you would, or a question you would ask like an established artist, are you really going to manufacture CDs or are you just going to, just going to release it on iTunes, put it up online? It was like, oh, wow, it's... That happened so fast mm-hmm. that music went from, you know, that 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 an that an album was something that you owned and and even cleaned, like took care of, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, cleaned and and took out and looked at, alphabetized. That it just became like, oh, it's, you're just gonna you're just gonna huck it into the sea with everything else, and 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 your music is going to be valued accordingly. You know, your al- your new album comes out and a certain small segment of people put it on repeat or put it on their iPads and listen to it at the gym. But a lot of people will, you know, will download one song off of it, listen to it once, and then they'll... And, they, and it's not that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. They download it, they listen to it, they're like, That's, That's not how great. people consume music anymore. And it just goes into the thing. So now, if you're if you're like, I have a new book... I think we're very, very close to a time when the question is, well, are you actually, I mean, do you know how expensive it is to actually publish it as a book? Mm-hmm. You know, isn't it just a Kindle file? And 
And so it isn't a book, you know, like, let's stop kidding it. Let's stop kidding ourselves that we, that bands are making albums anymore. They're not. Hmm. And let's stop kidding ourselves that people are writing books anymore. They're not. I was on an airplane with, um, with our good friend, John Hodgman the other day. And he was like, listen, we're going to go meet George RR Martin. And you have never, you have never read a word of his writing and you are an embarrassment to me. (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, I've been meaning to, and he handed me his phone and it was uh, Game of he had Game of Thrones on his phone, and I was like, "Whoa, you you actually read it?" And he was like, "I have read it." You don't I've, you don't it, do that? You don't buy books that way? On my phone? Well, phone, iPad, Mac? No, no? no okay, I do not. No, I still buy them in book form. And so, but I'm sitting on an airplane, and I'm and I start to read Game of Thrones on Hodgman's phone, and it it's a it's a nice like the interface is nice the the. Um, it's it's definitely different. It's different, but I mean, but it's nice because the the type is the type is is big. It's easy to read. Maybe maybe he gave me the easy to read version or you know the grandpa font. But you know you you read and then you flip to the next page and each each screen is much shorter than a page of typewritten book writing. It's like a paragraph and, and a little. A paragraph and a little, but that, but I found very quickly that that was kind of an enjoyable way to read because you, you, you kind of get, you have a thought and then you flip to the next page and you have another thought. And so pretty soon I'm sitting on this airplane and I'm not talking to him. I'm reading, I'm reading Game of Thrones on his phone. And by the time the plane landed, I had read a couple of chapters and, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ease of reading it on my phone or his phone. And I was like, okay, right. Like, I can't be opposed to that because that was nice. That was, that was pretty great. Uh, and it's dumb to be opposed to something that is happening, that's already happening. And it's really like value neutral, right? It's just, it's just easy and it's, and it's no different. The reading part, I guess, is no different. But when I think about, like, I wrote a book and I am happy to publish it. And the fact that it's not probably going to be a book, an actual book, or that if it is, if if it is an actual book, it's like it's like releasing records on vinyl now. You mean like a hardcover book with like a slip slipcase, like a yeah, with yeah. A, a cover on it? Yeah, that is that is stacked in a pyramid in the window of a bookstore. Right. That people go in excitedly to buy it in that form and carry it around in their in their bag and read it on park benches or whatever. You know that 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 makes it that makes me feel that makes me feel sad, which I think is just nostalgia, or it's just it's just like oh that makes you feel sad. Well, too bad. But um, but it but it changes the nature of it changes my feeling about it in, in a in like a in a kind of a primary way, and and I think it changes like it it shatters what it is. It isn't a book, right? It's a, like, it, is it a, I mean, Game of Thrones obviously was published first as a book. Now I'm reading it on a phone. But if that was published today, like, it's a novel, but but is it a blog even? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, th- I think I do. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I've always been really interested in, uh, I had a lot of friends in college in particular um, well, I mean, like, like everybody I knew, I kind of hoarded books. I wanted books. I wanted to have books around. I would tote them around in boxes from place to place. Mm. I think it's, I think it's somewhat important 
one way it is, I think it is pretty different maybe from music and maybe even comics. I don't know. Is I think there, there are people who like books and there are people who like reading. And as it happens, the Venn diagram for that is pretty tight. The, the most people who like reading like books and most people who like books like reading. But I mean, there are, I, I do, I have to say, I have a lot of friends that, that say they're reading more than they ever have in years because they can get on a plane with all of those books on it right, that right. they would never in a million years truck around it. And, and uh, candidly to flip that around, you know, if, I can't tell you for how many years I would go to books a million in the nineties and, you know, pick up five books and kind of glance through the first chapter of three of them, maybe read one of them, maybe read the fifth one a year later. Like I, I've always really loved books, but you know, having that at, at hand, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different kind of thing, but I, I take but, your point. But do you feel, I mean, I guess, I guess it's the, it's the, it's the in a way the democratization of the platform right like there was a there used to be a huge difference between putting on a vinyl record and listening to your friend's demo on his cassette recorder and you you would you would listen to your friend's demo on a cassette recorder and you'd be like oh yeah it sounds good man your band sounds great and then you would go put on your vinyl record that was you know that just by the format alone, you knew was something special. And now you put on your headphones, you sit in front of your computer and you listen to your friend's demo and you listen to a major label release and you can hear the difference. But in some cases, the major label release is intentionally lo-fi and your friend's demo has been dressed up with a lot of, um, Expensive sounding plugins, but it's just as over compressed as as top forty <laughs> that you hear on the radio. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, in a way, yes, the 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 quality of the of the good stuff should always win out, um, and you should be able with your eyes closed to tell the difference between something really wonderful and something that is just made to approximate something wonderful, but. Well, the demo, the way you describe it, though, a demo was more like a sketch in some ways, where everybody knew that it wasn't the finished product. It was meant to be something to give you the gist, right? Well, and, and, and ultimately, like, for, the, for, that, cause the, the, for that cassette demo, to make it all the way to a vinyl record required, as you were describing, so many intermediary steps where, it had to, it, where somebody had to say, like, yes, this is good enough to make it to the next level. And the... And, I remember the feeling of having a cassette demo of my band and feeling like there's no way we will ever make an an actual album. We're just not good enough. But here we have this cassette and, you know, like I can play it for people at a party. But now reading a novel on your phone and then using that same device to read a a YouTube comment section or using your same device to read, uh, you know, buzzfeed ultimately you're interacting with the device the same way and the words look the same to you and so it's a very different experience of you know of reading um of reading everything through the same window and i have to imagine that like your brain like the work of saying like, oh, this is Thomas Pinchon, this is good, and now I'm on a comment section and this is bad, or this is garbage writing. Um, 
we're, we're not, we're not, we're not taking the intermediary steps of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not listening to talk radio anymore. Now I'm putting the radio off. I'm going over. I'm taking the, I'm taking the book down. I'm changing gears. I'm, it's just, my, it's just a different app essentially. Right. And so when you're, when you work on a, when you work on a, a, a novel or a book of ideas and you're like, I am adding my book of ideas to the world conversation and people are reading your book of ideas and and switching between Twitter, which is a world of ideas, and BuzzFeed, which is a world of ideas, and all the ideas end up kind of being in a soup of ideas, and it's hard to remember which ones are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones. There's no... Um, we're not allowing ourselves the... We're not making any, we're not privileging any ideas over any others in a way, even, even just by format. I don't know. It feels, it feels ultimately that I have this problem all the time where it's like, I don't remember where I read that. Did I read that in the New Yorker Mm -hmm. or did somebody, did somebody comment on a chemtrails website (laughs) uh, and I read it there and you know, nobody is chasing down attributions. Nobody. I mean, I, I I posted a Carl Sagan quote on my Twitter the other day, and or yeah, uh, you know, a yeah, while I back. saw, I saw it, yeah. And you know, like probably eighty percent of the replies were like, "Wow, amazing," and then ten percent of the replies were, "That's probably a fake quote," because generally, anytime somebody says something really smart and prescient, it turns out that it's fake. And then 10% of the people uh, labored to explain to me how Carl Sagan could not actually see into the future, but all of his observations were obvious. And not That'll one... teach you to post a Carl Sagan quote. <laughs> right? And so all the people are like, wow, amazing. I mean, that was the... That was the... Uh, the, uh, the response I was trying to solicit... But my Carl Sagan quote on on my Twitter was probably just one of like 40 quotes that they read between Facebook and wherever else they go. And all of them are wow, amazing. And all of them completely out of context. And then uh, it was hilarious to me, the people who believed, who, who were chastising me for posting a fake quote that, uh, that wasn't actually fake. They didn't take the two did you, seconds. Did you track it down? I did tracked it down and I replied to those people or at least a couple of them until I got bored of doing that (laughs) saying like, here's, you know, here's the attribution of the quote. It's actually a quote from a book, but the best ones were the people who somehow mistook me saying like, wow, Carl Sagan could see into the future. uh, Mistook that as me actually saying, I believe that Carl Sagan could see the future, you know, like, um, like they didn't, they didn't perceive that I was saying, not that he could see the future, but that, but that isn't this. It's, a good, know, it's is, an interesting remark. Isn't this interesting? Isn't this an interesting remark? It seems, it, it seems to apply to us now. And I mean, if I had read that in a book, instead of reading it, instead of like scraping it off of somebody else's Twitter feed and repurposing it. <laughs> 
retweeting somebody else's <laughs> photoshopped image of a Carl Sagan quote? Yeah. It would have I mean, more gravitas if you read it in a book. I feel like if I had read it in a you book. You should have put it on your Pinterest. But you know what? Maybe I would never, maybe in my whole life I never would have read that book. Yeah. So, and, and right now I couldn't, couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you a thing about that quote, frankly. <laughs> I bet it was Mark Twain. It's in the past. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of myself. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that, Johnny.